Yeah, hi. So my plan was that the episode two was going to be Mindfuck FM. So I'm sorry to disappoint you at this early stage in the proceedings, but that's not going to happen today. Basically, because I've had a couple of ideas about how I'd like to present that episode. And yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer to do. So I thought what I'd do is now talk about meditation, how I came to meditation, what sort of my history of meditating has been. If I wanted to try and convince you about how enlightened I am and how many years I've been working on my spiritual path, (laughs) then I'd probably tell you that I think the first contact I had with meditation, I was probably about 14, and I got a copy of Autobiography of a Yogi from the local library. That was the first book that introduced me to meditation. I had no idea what a yogi was, what yoga was. I had no contact with it up until that time, just happened to get this book. And there was some quite extreme ideas in there about swallowing damp cotton cloths and regurgitating them to clean your stomach for a fast. I was like, what the fuck is this? What have I stumbled onto? There was... Again, first mentions of meditation, which was sort of, you know, what everybody made jokes about in the 70s, about hippies and navel gazing and stuff like that. That was just the very first contact, but then for years, really never thought about anything in that direction again, about any kind of yoga practice or meditation practice. I never had any real contact with spirituality in the church or anything like that until then i guess it would be about 86 something like that i was working as a a minicab driver in london and i regularly picked up a young woman who i was also very interested in and she talked to me about her great new practice which was nisha in buddhism where her interpretation of it and her gang's interpretation of it is that they chant. So there is a a chant, Nam Mayo Renge Kyo, or something like that. It's probably completely wrong, but that's how I remember it. And that that chant is really about calling the life force, you know, and like drawing the power of life into yourself. And like so many things, it's been misconstrued and misused to be used for manifestation. And again, you know, manifestation, the power of words, the power of positive thought, there's some, there is some basis to that, you know, it does seem to have some kind of effect on us when we think positively and have aims and targets that we want to, achievable targets that we want to try and reach. That works out well for our psyche, usually. But it's just misused to be, you know, I'll chant that I want a new car by the end of the year and that will come true or whatever. Like so many things, a lot of these practices, which make a lot of sense, get turned into, you know, this money-making self-help. Again, a couple of years later, you know, I tried it a little bit, read the book, put the book down and forgot about it, like so many other things. A couple of years later, I'm the woman who would become the, the mother of my two kids here in Germany, and we met in London, and she introduced me to meditation again, that she had a regular practice every morning of meditating, doing a bit of yoga and stuff like that, and I found it interesting, and obviously in a new relationship, 
wanted to try it out, but it never really stuck, you know. I always felt embarrassed doing yoga, even just with her, you know. It's one of those crazy things as well, and it's someone that you're so intimate with, but then I was embarrassed to do yoga with her. Wouldn't be now, but that's how it was. And as far as meditating was concerned, I just didn't feel like I got it, you know. I didn't feel like I was doing something or not doing something. I just didn't feel like I was meditating from my expectations of what meditation probably should be. I Then I moved to Germany and I'd been living in Germany for a couple of years and a good friend of mine who I've now known for like 30 years or whatever became very interested in Zen and Buddhism. I'm only speaking as a layman. There's lots of different forms of Zen, but from my understanding, one of the essentials of Zen is Zazen, which is basically sitting on a cushion and to avoid thought, I was going to say. That's not accurate though, is it? It's about letting the thought come, letting the thought go, not being the thought, looking for the, the emptiness in some way. But all of that without any intention, and it's, the, you know, what everybody knows about Zen is like the paradox from the koans. If a tree falls, that's the one everybody knows, isn't it? If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, does it still make a sound? And all those unsolvable riddles, I guess, which are supposedly also tools to help with meditation. So I became interested in Zen. Ragnar introduced me to a guy called Brad Warner, who I was really intrigued by because he's the same sort of age as I am. Was in a punk band in America, went to Japan, discovered Zen, and is now a Zen master. He's written several books. The one that I really like that really caught my eye is Sit Down and Shut Up. Again, I'll put a, a link in the podcast notes. He's got a great YouTube channel called Hardcore Zen, which is, yeah, it makes some of the Zen principles a bit more digestible, you know. Like, oh, so his books are like sort of semi-translations of some of the ancient Zen works. And again, there's the paradox, you know, that everybody who talks about Zen says you can't learn anything about Zen by reading and talking. You have to do, you have to do nothing. And yeah, it's a, it's a concept that's difficult to get your head around. So during that time, I tried a couple of times to, again, get into meditation. I was together with a, a different partner by this time who also regularly did yoga, regularly meditated. And so again, tried to get into it with more interest than ever before, you know, with more willingness than ever before, but still with that feeling of not really getting it. That's the thing. It's just the whole time, just that feeling of not really getting it. I'm not meditating. I went along with Ragnar to do Zazen at a, a monastery, I guess it is, locally where he went once a week and where he did a lot of retreats and stuff like that and again it was a really interesting experience with like these guys in robes and the ceremony that went along with it i found it interesting but it, it didn't feel relevant for me it felt too close to religion because of all the the robes and the chants and all that sort of stuff i understand now slightly differently that a lot of the rituals just serve to make it clear to everyone what's happening and when it's going to happen. <laughs> but again, just feeling like you're an imposter sitting on the cushion, trying 
not to think and thinking about trying not to think and having a head full of thoughts and <laughs> that's where Mindfuck FM links to this, definitely. You know, all that shit that's going on in your head that sometimes really surprises you. Where the fuck did that come from? What made a difference for me was, again, inspired by Ragnar. He did a course as a facilitator for MBSR, which is Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, which basically takes the principles of meditation and yeah, awareness and contemplation um, and links it to the fact that you can actually reduce your stress <laughs> by using those methods and by using some of those practices. Based stress reduction, I think, comes from John Cabot Zinn, who I'll definitely put a link in for to his mountain meditation because that was the guided meditation that made a difference for me. It was the first guided meditation that I ever did, which where I felt maybe I'm getting this, maybe I'm more connected. You know, I think it's so important if you're going to try guided meditations, don't just sit down with the first one that you find, you know, I'm going to suggest the John Cabot's in because I enjoyed it so much, but you might not like it at all. But if you look around, there's so much content on YouTube and Spotify and everywhere. Everyone and his brother wants to guide you through a meditation <laughs> for some reason. I'm not even going to try that. I'm not going to try and teach you any kind of skills, you know. I'm just, my ambition is to point you towards the tools and maybe you'll find one that works for you. But I'm definitely not going to try and do a guided meditation or a breath work or anything like that with, with the people who are listening. So doing the mindfulness-based stress reduction mountain meditation from John Kabat-Zinn were really good for me so I discovered also around the same sort of time a Buddhist meditation which is the metta meditation which is a meditation of loving kindness which is still today a big part of my practice when I meditate when I do sit on a cushion it's usually to do that and again I'm not going to teach you how to do it you can find that online but just to give you an idea of what it's about this is a real basic description, but you start off by thinking of yourself, which is really the easiest bit, you know, and trying to be kind to yourself, which is not always quite as easy. Wishing the best for yourself and being benevolent with yourself, being kind to yourself. Then you sort of open up, I guess is the best way to say it. You spread your, your edges a little and you think about the people who are nearest to you and the people you love and the people that perhaps in your family or are perhaps very very close friends or partners but again where it's relatively easy to wish them the best you know and to wish them luck and to wish them joy and health and you know, whatever whatever really that's the point think about them in a positive way that's the way I see it you know I don't I think there's too often we hear things like this and we think oh that's what we have to do and I guess it's the punk the anarchist in me that says well do I have to do it exactly that way and I tend to try and find my own way in a lot of things for me it's about like I say thinking positively about the people who are then nearest to me and then again widening that out to perhaps people that are not so close to me but that are around me 
they fill my space at some time or another. The next step then, trying to do that on the basis of the community or whatever scale you want to think of, you know, if you start with your village, move out to your your county, <laughs> do your lack your country, whatever feels good for you, you know, but try and <laughs> spread the love. This is where it gets to sound all very hippie, doesn't it? Spread the love, man. But it's good. Try it. I like it. Then the interesting part comes when you actually try then to do that with someone that you've perhaps just had a disagreement with, that there's perhaps someone that you really don't like very much at all, and trying to do the same there, you know, trying still to wish them the best, even if they annoy the fuck out of you, <laughs> even if they spoil your day sometimes, but you can still wish them the best. And that wishing them the best does you good. I'm absolutely convinced. The meta meditation is still part of my everyday practice. Not every day. That sounds like I sit and meditate every day. Every day in the sense of when I meditate, that's how I meditate usually. I'll put some links into the episodes of the Huberman Lab where he talks about meditation, definitely. There's been a lot of experiments using brain scans, MRI scans or whatever in the technical methods are. There's a couple of people, a couple of monks. So there's, oh, I have to try and get the names right again. It's Yunge, I think it's Yunge Mingyur Rinpoche is the one guy. He's, I think he's Nepali or maybe Tibetan Buddhist monk. And that he's done a lot of work with scientists with like brain scans and stuff. There's some interesting videos online with him. And the other guy who's really interesting who's done a lot of work with scientists is Mathieu Ricard. It's a French guy who has the reputation of being the happiest man in the world. That's nice, isn't it? Who wouldn't want that? Unless they locked you up for it, which I think is the big chance. If you're too happy that you'll get locked up walking through the streets with a big smile on your face. But yeah, try it. Turn on your smile every now and then and see what happens. See if someone smiles back or they lock you up, one or the other. Anyway, what was really interesting was in the Huberman Lab episode he talks about what actually is the effective moment in meditation and this is just like two minutes out of a, a two-hour podcast again i'm going to try and just from memory you know i don't use show notes i don't just do this whole thing as a stream of consciousness but basically he talked about the effective moments of meditation and where it actually causes some kind of calming in the brain where it causes reaction in the brain that they can visualize and the point that really stuck with me and it may not even be absolutely scientifically accurate how I tell you it now but you can watch the podcast and decide for yourself that basically it's that moment where you realize you're having a thought and you manage to in some way let that thought go again and come back to concentrating on your breath and it's a very typical one one of the big things where I can't meditate is I tried a lot of breath-focused meditation. First of all, it really irritated me when somebody would say breathe in and hold and breathe out because they never, ever had the same rhythm as I do. 
So that was a big no-no for me. I have to, if I'm going to do a guided meditation, it has to be one where it's like, you know, find your breath, find your rhythm, and yeah, then breathe through it at your pace, which is, it just makes sense, doesn't it? We've all got different lungs. We're all built slightly differently. We've got different noses and different mouths, different volumes of our lungs. Why should it be possible that we all fit to one rhythm of breathing and feel comfortable with it? Doesn't make sense, so... I don't do it. <laughs> That's on the side. And that that was like a revelation. That's the important moment. And that people who are skilled in meditation, who have got lots of practice of meditation, they go through the same process of recognizing the thought, letting go of the thought. The same brain patterns are readable and the same patterns in their brain can be made visible. The difference is it happens so much faster that it's, I guess you could compare it to before the thought is fully there, they're already letting that thought go again. They do it without any kind of awareness at that moment. And I said just in a, the, the frequency is much higher, that they can do it just so much easier, so much quicker, but the, the moment, the valuable moment seems to be the same, or one of them. You know, there's so much more to meditation than than just this aspect of calming the mind but that just gave me so much hope it just made me realize all right i have actually been meditating all those times when i was trying to sit there and trying to clear my thoughts each time i managed to do it was another success and that's where i so i mentioned about the breathing and the rate of breathing so i do get back to the things that i drift off off from most of the time not breaths so a big deep breath in and count one in my head and breathe out and by the next breath in count two in my head and just be conscious of my breathing and feel the breath flowing and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about what's for dinner or you know what's on telly tonight is my girlfriend coming to visit will I get to have sex and all of those things and it's oh shit 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 breath yeah breath never got any further than counting to three and then maybe counting to four and realizing that I counted to four and getting so excited about the fact that I counted to four that I realized that I'm not counting anymore not aware of my breath anymore thinking about my success I don't think I'm ever going to learn to levitate through meditation that's not going to happen but it has definitely had an impact I'm quite sure. So what helped me develop it as a regular practice was, you know, not again, not listening to all the advice. You have to get up in the morning, set your alarm 20 minutes earlier, get up in the morning, sit down, do your meditation before you drink your coffee, all that stuff. Didn't work, didn't work for me because I would then, I'd wake up, I'd, oh, I need a cup of coffee first and then I'd have a cup of coffee and I'd sit in bed drinking my coffee and, oh, the thought of meditating now. And I don't know why, you know, what is it? What is it that makes the thought of sitting on a cushion and doing nothing for 20 minutes in some way difficult? You know, why is that more difficult than sitting in bed with a cup of coffee? It's just, it's totally illogical, isn't it, really, when you think about it. There's more of a pattern, I guess, to sit in bed, and it's breaking the pattern to get out of bed and go and sit in the corner and stare at the wall or whatever. So the tactic I developed was that, amongst other things, where I wanted to get a bit more of a regular practice in, I decided I'm going to do it once a day, but I didn't define when I was going to do it. So that meant in the morning, when I got out of bed in the morning and I hadn't meditated, I wasn't free 
from the thought of, oh, well, do it tomorrow then. It's done for today. I haven't done it today, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. And with the fact that I just say I'm going to find 20 minutes during my day to do it, whatever it is, means right up until the moment that I'm back in bed, and even then when I'm laying in bed and thinking about going to sleep, I've still got the option of saying, no, I'll do the 20 minutes now, then I've done it for today. The great thing is, again, with neuroplasticity and our dopamine reward systems and drive systems and all of that, once you've done it a couple of times, you feel good about having done it. And the feeling good about having done it was so rewarding that it gives you the impulse to do it next time too. Well, that was the case for me. Might be different for you. You might really be someone who needs structure, you know, and needs to have a fixed time each day because of perhaps the rest of your life, you know, I'm in a lucky position that I do have quite a bit of flexible time. You know, I can choose when I do a lot of the work that I do, not all of it, but some of it. I think my advice, have a listen to some of the, the links that I'm going to put in. Have a think about what suits you. Have a listen to what suits you. Like I said about doing guided meditations I think the important thing is to find somebody who you can relate to somebody whose voice you can listen to somebody who you can take seriously but perhaps doesn't take their self too seriously but again this is me you know I'm putting this through the the me filter with my cognitive biases the important thing is look around there's so many options, there's so many possibilities that you should be able to find someone or something which like speaks to you. And you know, things like the meta meditation, once you've done them once or twice with a guided meditation, then you can sit down and do it anywhere, anytime. You know, other thing, one of the reasons that I've sort of softened my practice and I don't do it so regularly is just this thought that I have moments during the day where I'm able just to blank out for five minutes or feel for five minutes or be for five minutes you know not everybody's got that luxury I know that other people have fucking busy lives and are happy if they get five minutes peace to themselves but you know think about what you can do with that five minutes peace what's going to be more valuable sitting down in front of the telly for five minutes and perhaps even watching the news or listening to your own news broadcast on Mindfuck FM and seeing what's going on there you know just suggestions or just thoughts about you know where i've been and what i haven't mentioned up until now is that i tried meditating during my depression and sometimes it helped sometimes it didn't sometimes i just couldn't face it because confronting the thoughts and going deeper into the thoughts i needed that's where I heard so many podcasts because I needed noise. I needed noise from the outside to block the fucking noise from the inside, you know? I always had the radio on. I fell asleep every night with the radio on. As soon as I woke up in the morning, I'd put the radio on and just have noise around me just to avoid going there, you know? Thank fuck that's changed. <laughs> I decided I'm going to invite my friends here around me in Germany, or like 12, 13 people, I think it was, guys, that I invited for a gentleman's breakfast. So yeah, look up gentleman's breakfast if you're looking for a bit of a giggle and a bit of a smile. 
I wasn't aware of that when I actually invited my friends for a gentleman's breakfast. It was just like, you know, get the guys around for an English breakfast. And then I thought I'd spring the idea on them. I'd like to form a group called the League of Mindful Gentlemen and to meditate regularly once a week, once a fortnight or whatever with whoever from my friends might be interested. You know, I'd like to talk more about the League of Mindful Gentlemen in a separate podcast at some time. But you can look on our website and you'll see the practice that we do. It's very much based around Zen. For me, a huge part of it is the conversations that we have after. The question is, what is meditation? I haven't answered that in any way, shape or form. You know, I've told told you about my journey, the different forms of meditation I've heard about on the way. But I think that everybody has to find it for themselves. You know, that's the whole point for me of this podcast is there are so many options and it's so easy to read about one hook onto that one think that that's the one think that's the way perhaps then unsuccessfully try and follow that path for months and months and months take a look around that's all I can say you know take a look around and find the way that feels comfortable for you so I'll wrap this episode up now as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm working on the Mindfuck FM episode, which will come up. It's not going to be dropped out. It will be coming up. In the meantime, I think the next episode is going to be about gentlemen, you know, because we just finished this one off on the League of Mindful Gentlemen. So yeah, let's come back to that one of why I think being a gentleman is pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds corny, doesn't it? So yeah, about why I think being a gentleman is is just cool it's just like yeah if you can do that you'll probably be a bit happier than if you don't do it I guess you know but we'll get into that so yeah next episode how to be a gentleman no what is a gentleman being a gentleman the league of mindful gentlemen one of those as always until then take care be kind 